Good morning, everyone. So for those of you who I do not have the privilege of knowing personally already, my name is Amanda Funnel, and I have the privilege of serving as one of our three student body chaplains for this semester, alongside my friends Dylan and Casey. I am a senior elementary education and TESOL education double major, and to save you guys some questions later, TESOL stands for Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages, because if I tell you what my major is, you'll inevitably ask me what it means. <clears throat> but I want to start out with a question, and this is not a rhetorical question, so I need you to be brave and be vulnerable, but raise your hand if some point this semester you've had a bad day. At least one, just one, one time, Okay, now keep it up if within the last week, okay, so today's only Monday, so you can't include today necessarily, but within the last seven days, you've had a bad day. Keep your hand up. Okay, are you willing to be really brave? How many of you today has already kind of started off as a bad day? Because let's be honest, it's Monday and we're still waking up. Okay, so I understand, I can relate. But I want to ask you another question. For how many of us has this semester kind of seemed like a never-ending rough day? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but for some of us, that's the case. And I can relate. I'm a senior. And so that means that as soon as I leave this place to go student teach in a couple of months and then to go graduate, I have to be an adult. Ugh. Okay, so for me, being an adult means that I'm getting married, which is a positive, but I'm also moving away to Kentucky, five hours away from my family, so thank you for those of you who are from Kentucky. <laughs> so I'm moving to Kentucky, but you want to know some of the most terrifying things is that I actually have to do what I came here to be trained to do, so I have to get a teaching job, and then I also have to learn how to cook. Oh my word, that is terrifying, and if you talk to my parents afterwards, you can find out full well that is not my strong suit. So those are just some of the things that terrify me for the future, but if I'm honest, even where I am right now has been a little insane. In my head, there's two conflicting worlds. There's half of me saying that my perfectionism side, for those of you who know me, is saying, come on, Amanda, it's your last semester on campus. Pull it together, do your homework, do your very best in everything because you don't want your GPA to fall off of the cliff because you struggled in some really dumb gen ed class. But then at the same time, the other side of me is screaming with apathy. And it's whispering in my ear saying, come on, Amanda, You've already done so much work. You've already worked so hard. Give yourself a break, take some time off, and eh, big deal if your GPA falls off. <laughs> and so I'm conflicted. And so this whole semester hasn't really seemed, if I'm being honest, really sunshiny and beautiful, but instead it's kind of seemed and said there's kind of a dark cloud hanging over it over these last couple months. And that's where I'm coming from to you today, that, let's just be honest, I'll say it right here, I do not have it all figured out or all together. You can ask my fiancé, I was still struggling to figure out some of the key words this morning. So, let's just be honest and be vulnerable there. But amidst these stormy moments, I find it the most easy to say when I wake up in the morning, you know what, I was up late, being productive, doing my homework or maybe not so productive, but I didn't get enough sleep. So God will understand if, as I'm walking to class this morning, I say a quick prayer, and I'll do my devos tonight when I get back from class. Or it's Sunday morning, and I roll over and realize I have to be at church in 30 minutes, 
and I'd much rather sleep because my pajamas are more comfortable, Netflix is more inviting, and quite frankly, God wants me to be well-rested, so I'm just going to sleep in today. So how many of us could say that that's kind of the story of maybe sometimes in our semester, that we're willing to kind of push those things aside for the sake of being more comfortable? But we're going to jump into scripture because I think that there's some place that we can find some encouragement here. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Matthew 7, sorry, 24 through 27. For those of you who are familiar with the Bible or grew up going to Sunday school, this may become kind of a cliche passage, and you may even have some flannel graph images in your head. Please do not disregard what I am about to tell you or push it to the side. There's more to be learned. But for those of you who that's not your story, I'm honored to be the first to share this story with you. So Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it didn't fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand instead. The rains came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So, bear with me. I have this mental image in my head when I hear this passage and when I read it, okay? So in my head, I picture two men that are going out to look for the place to build a house. The place, the perfect place. And the first guy decides, just like all of you on a cold, blustery day today, like today, I would like a beach house. So he picks the beach spot with the salty breeze, the waves crashing in the background to lull you to sleep, and the soft sand on, sand on which to rest his head. And the other guy decides, I'm going to pick the rock, which if any of you have slept on a really hard mattress before, you know that that doesn't always feel so great when you wake up in the morning, you kind of have a headache and your back already hurts and it's just a rough situation. So we have two very different situations here. And so, I would like to say, though, that as this story goes on, the guys may have put a little more thought and hindsight into what they invested their time in before. You see, the story doesn't end there. It doesn't stay sunshiny. The storm comes crashing in. And I'd like to think that the guy, Mr. Sandman over here, would like to think that he should have put more effort in beforehand that everything's now gone, and he wishes he would have taken that chance to put a little more effort and time in before. But the guy who built his house on a rock, I can imagine if I was in his place, you know, I'm, okay, I'm going to build my house on the rock. It's a sunshiny day. It's going to take more work. It's going to take more time because these poles aren't going into the rock as easy as that guy's are for the sand. But I'm going to choose to build it here, but I'm still struggling to wonder whether or not it's actually worth it. But I would like to think that when the storm came, he decided, oh, yeah, look, it was worth it after all. But that's just the thing, though. When life is easy, we're apathetic. It doesn't really matter. If God feels close or not, it'll be okay. We'll catch up later. Um, and we don't really have a desire to make any changes to become closer to him. And quite frankly, he often feels really far away, so why would we bother? 
But I don't think that these seasons, both the sunshine and the storm, come without their own reasons. See what I did there? Yeah. Okay, so the storms are often a wake-up call from God to say, your foundation isn't really so foundational in me anymore. Come back. Come back to me. Come rebuild your identity again in me. But the sunshiny moments give us a chance for us to recognize who God is when there's less distractions. When there's less disruptions, we're able to see exactly who he is. But I have something to share with you, because how many of us would wake up in the middle of the storm and wonder where our foundation is? We wonder why God's so far away and we can't hear from him, but at the same time, we weren't willing to put forth the effort when we could have before. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side, right? We've all heard that before, but we usually hear it in terms of jealousy, that we want what someone else has or they wish they had what we had, and it's an envious circumstance. But I would like to suggest that it also applies here, that it applies in the fact that every time we see a new season, we think that that season will be better for restarting our relationship with God. That that season will be better than where we are right now. But that's not necessarily the case. Because if you're waiting for an optimum moment to grow in your relationship with God, it's never going to come. If you're waiting for the perfect season, it's never going to arrive. So we have to stop saying, it'll be easier when. It'll be easier when we get to college. Guess what? It wasn't. It'll be easier when you finish that assignment. Guess what? There's another one. It'll be easier when we get to the next break. Guess what? I'd rather sleep. <laughs> it's always easier when for any time but now. So if you're waiting for that perfect moment, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But I'm aware that both seasons, both sunshine and storm, both carry their own cautions, challenges, and their own excuses. For when it's easy, we all say, we need more rest. We've deserved this downtime. It'll be okay. But when it's hard, we're struggling to hold on for dear life. We don't really have much effort or strength left to pour even into two minutes of devotional time that morning, let alone as much as we believe that we should. So I have an example, okay? Let's help get a picture on this. How many of you, raise your hand again, I know, hands up and down. Okay, but if you are an athlete, whether on an official sports team or intramurals, raise your hand. Or you just happen to be like my fiance and like to go to the weight room, that works too. But raise your hand if you do any sort of athletic-y things, okay? Okay, now, how often do you practice? How often would you practice? If you're dedicated to your sport, you probably feel like you practice all the time. If you're not so dedicated, then you'll just have to bear with me on this analogy. But what cancels practice? What cancels practice for you? And if you're dedicated, probably almost nothing cancels practice. And for those of you that are athletes, I'm sure that there are times that you have to practice or put in those hours or attend it because your coach says you have to, and you don't really want to. But you realize later that it was probably a good idea after all. 
You see, that's the same as in our relationship with God. Sometimes we have to put in the effort, put in the time when we don't feel like it. When we don't want to. And sometimes you may even feel like you're forcing yourself to because it's the right thing to do. But not because you don't want to build a relationship with God, but because you know that that's the step that needs to be taken to get closer. I recently was talking to Patty and John about what I was speaking about, and they shared with me a quote by a man named Dom Chapman. And the quote goes like this. It says, pray as you can, not as you can't. Pray as you can, not as you can't. And that means that instead of not doing something because you feel like it's insufficient, doing what you can from where you are. So if you're anything like me, I would say, I won't do my devotions this morning because I only have five minutes to give to God when I wish I could give him 20, so I'm not going to give it to him. I'm not going to pray this morning because I'm struggling to find the words to convey exactly what I want to tell him, so I'm just not going to speak at all. Or I'm not going to open my Bible because I'm struggling to comprehend my homework, much less something from 2,000 years ago, so I'm just not even going to try, and I'll just leave it closed on my shelf. So instead of giving God the little bit that we can, we choose not to give him anything at all because that's easier. But that's not how it works, guys. It doesn't work that way. A relationship at its very core means investment. Investment of time, investment of energy, investment of sacrifice. And that's not just true with the relationships with the people in this room, or with your family. That's true also in our relationship with God. That it means are we willing to sacrifice the time and the energy and give up things because we know that what we're investing in is worthwhile. Is that true for you? So it's one thing for you to hear from me a prescriptive for, here, this is how to solve your life with Jesus. No, that's not what I'm here to do. But I am here to say that I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I understand it's not always easy to go to church on Sundays. It's not always easy to say I'm getting up 10 minutes earlier to specifically, intentionally focus on relationship with God. Now... I'm not naive enough to know that you attend chapel three times a week, and it is so easy to walk out of here and hear something, something from some speaker from someplace, probably an IWU grad from somewhere from some year ago, and walk out of here and not do anything about it. Not let it change you, not even think about it later, no conversations, nothing. But I'd like to discourage you from doing that today. And I sense, though, as though I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, need to be honest and say that sometimes, quite frankly, I don't even care. I don't care what my relationship with God looks like. It's not really worth the effort to put more time into it because I'm already exhausted and I just sink lower and lower and lower into a state of apathy instead. And I don't really feel like climbing out because even that would take a lot of energy. And I say that as not something that's happened to me a long time ago, but it's something that happened to me very recently. In fact, only two weeks ago, I came back from church and I sat in my townhouse and I just bawled. I cried and I cried because I realized I had forced myself to go to church because I felt like I was supposed to. 
Because it's just something that you do when you say you're a Christ follower, you go to church. That's what you do. It's on your list of to-do things as a Jesus person, right? But I cried because I realized I hadn't wanted to go. I sat there sulking the whole time with my arms crossed, didn't sing, didn't pray, didn't even really listen, didn't take notes, just sat there saying, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. And so I stayed in that place of apathy for a while until I realized I have to make a choice because I can't live here. I can't stay here. So I made a choice, and so for the past two weeks, I can say I have been more intentional. I can say that, but I can guarantee not every morning I woke up saying, I'm going to do my Jesus time today with a smile on my face and all happy-go-lucky about it. Some mornings I had to force myself and say, Amanda, you know that today's going to not be as smooth if you don't intentionally ask God to come alongside you and do life with you today and do it together. So maybe the question isn't, are you in a sunshiny season or a stormy season? But maybe I'd like to challenge you and say there are three. Is it a sunshiny season you find yourself in where things are going well? Is it a stormy season where things are seeming impossible? Or a third, is it a desert of apathy that you've got to get out of quick? So where do you find yourself? But I'd like to challenge you that quite frankly, I can say I need to quit using where I'm at as an excuse to get to where I want to go. I can't stay here. It's not healthy here, but I can't just stay here. I have to decide, okay, what am I going to do from where I am right now? Not from where I have been, not from where I want to be, but simply from where I am. What has to happen next? And what excuses are standing between me and that next step that are keeping me from moving forward? I don't have some great prescriptive for all of you, although that would be really, really nice if I did. I don't have a prescription. I don't have an easy answer. But I know that right now, I can give you one thing. I can give you five minutes. I give you five minutes where you don't have to be anywhere else. Your classes haven't started. You have nothing else on your plate for this five minutes at least to sit and think, where are you? You've got three places. Where do you want to be next? And what are the excuses that are keeping you from getting there?